0: Being said, talking lines, talking injury report, we are going to bring in one of the great co-hosts of the Believe in Steelers podcast. He hosts it alongside Ike Taylor, former Steelers defensive back, Mark Bergen, joining the program again. Mark, we love chopping it up with you, man. It's good to see you again, and we've got a big one on tap. How are you? Fellas, the wait is over. Football (laughs) season is here. Thank you so much for having
1: me. I cannot wait for this weekend. Chopping it up live with your viewers, too. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, man, I we, we've we've done this uh, recorded style, I think, before in the past. So it's yeah. good to have you on live. Hopefully, hopefully, people are nice to you. Let's let's keep it civil if we can here. I know, I know, it's the Steelers Bengals thing, and uh, I think I think Ike didn't want to show up because of the wide receiver debate that he and John he and did Caves. one more. Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it exists on the internet for forever, and <laughs> that
1: tweet that you had with the side by side, the great stuff. In all honesty, anyone who wants to know how to use Twitter. Go pull up that tweet that you had, Anthony, going through all the receivers between the Steelers and Bengals, going back—gosh, probably thirty years.
0: It's cool. I mean, uh, it's—we gosh, maybe fifty years. I forget. Yeah, I mean, it's close though. There, there's a lot of lot of good players from from both teams there. So, yeah, historically speaking, those teams both know their wide receivers well. Let's let's kind of jump into it, and I think we talked about this a little bit. When we did our divisional previews earlier this summer and we had you guys on, now it's official, Mitch Trubisky is the Steelers' starting quarterback. We kind of presumed that was going to be the case, despite Kenny Pickett being first-round pick, all that kind of stuff. Um, what have you seen from him so far this preseason and through training camp? And confidence level, how short is the leash? I mean, all, the, all things Trubisky, fill us in here because this is really – one of, if not the major talking point of this game and and kind of storyline of this game.
1: I look at the Steelers' first six games, and I think that they're underdogs going into the season in five of them, including Sunday, against the Bengals. So considering that Cincinnati's coming off a Super Bowl appearance, to me that's no surprise that you're going to put Trubisky out onto the field because if Kenny Pickett struggles and struggles early – then you go to Trubisky, then you have to go back to pick it. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So a lot of great quarterbacks in this league have sat Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Ben Roethlisberger way back in the day. There've been a lot of great quarterbacks that have sat and learned from good quarterbacks, sometimes great quarterbacks that came before them. And to me, that's no different with Trubisky because especially with the struggles of the offensive line, Early on in the season, you're going to need someone who can move around. I think both Trubisky and Pickett are capable of doing that, but at least have a veteran back there who's demonstrated the ability to do that before. And Trubisky's going to have some weapons on the Steelers offense if he can stay upright that he hasn't really had when he got to play in Chicago. Now, I know he had Allen Robinson, David Montgomery, but Outside of those two guys, like from the Steelers standpoint, I'm really excited to see what he can do, what kind of rapport he has with Deontay Johnson, who's a pro bowler a year ago, what he can do with Najee Harris, who is a pro bowler, thanks to your Bengals making the Super Bowl. Joe Mixon sits out, Najee Harris is the alternate. Pat Friarmuth, a good young tight end, entering his second season. And then Chase Claypool entering the third year and he's got two years left to prove that he's indeed worth a big contract because Deontay just got paid this last year. We got a rookie named George Pickens who has some swag, has some attitude on the outside. I like what I've seen from him. I'll say this. I think the Steelers quarterbacks played well, all three of them in the preseason But it's the preseason for a reason, and it actually counts this Sunday. The preseason, it's almost like if you squint your eyes and you watch a war reenactment, it looks like the real thing, but it's not. And so that's kind of how I'm looking at it to where I like what I've seen from the Steelers quarterbacks in the preseason. But let Trubisky take his lumps early, see where you're at after the first four games and kind of evaluate from there. I wouldn't expect Pickett to start. I know he's listed as the backup, and that's a feat in its own right, considering he won that backup job over Mason Rudolph, who has starting experience. He's not a franchise quarterback, but he's capable of being a, a backup, a decent backup. Week 10 against the Saints, uh, I believe it's November the 13th, when the Steelers play the Saints. It's coming off their bye week. That's really the first date on my calendar where I look at say, hmm, Pickett could start here. So, I think I've answered that question, Anthony, and we can kind of go from there. I've rambled on long enough.
2: Yeah, but just real quickly, touching on maybe a conspiracy or two, when Mike Tomlin says clerical error, what does it actually mean?
1: <laughs> Listen, I'm just glad I'm not the only one who goofs up on copy-pasting. I could. I talked about this on our recording tonight of the Believe It's Dealer show. I honestly do think it was an honest mistake. At the same time, I mean, people. there were some people, mostly fans, that were freaking out saying, you spent a first-round pick and he's the third stringer, and then they decided to switch it and make him the backup. The thing that I look at that's a lot more important is that Tomlin has said that he's only had two active quarterbacks for Sunday's game against the Bengals. That's traditionally how the Steelers do things, meaning Rudolph won't be in uniform Sunday if forbid you have an injury to Mitch Trubisky. So the fact that Pickett is the backup quarterback I think again is a a tremendous feat that he accomplished and if you look at the actual play of all three quarterbacks statistically and what your eyes t- what your eyes tell you all three quarterbacks played extremely well. I'm heck of a lot more concerned about the offensive line and the offensive line with not just protecting the quarterback but then the struggles of the running game that's why you draft Najee Harrison the first round but you go from dead last in the NFL on rushing the year before you get to Najee to I believe 28th last season and you want to see a bigger improvement in that area but it's still a very very young offensive line
0: well I guess that that's the next best place as good as any to go to and that is the offensive line both of these teams did a lot of work to retool their offensive line. The Bengals themselves have four new starters on their offensive line. Steelers have traditionally had one of, if not always the best offensive line in football. And that Mm -hmm. changed quite drastically last year. They addressed some things on this year's line, still some questions here. What's the confidence level in the, in the offensive line here? I know they brought in Daniels and others to kind of remedy some of the situation, but um, yeah, you know, I, I think there are still some questions, maybe concerns there, uh, albeit improvements from last year.
1: You would hope, you would hope, because a year ago you're starting two rookies and a second-year player, Dan Moore Jr. and Kendrick Green getting the start. I thought it was very interesting. Kevin Dotson wins the starting left guard role. Kendrick Green's going to start this season on the bench. He was a third-round pick out of Illinois uh, a year ago. And so you look at this, and it's the result of losing Marquise Pouncey, potentially a Hall of Famer, at least multi-time All-Pro, Pro pro Bowl player. And then David DeCastro, same thing at the guard position. And interestingly enough, DeCastro was the last player that the Steelers drafted on the offensive line in the first or second round. I believe that was back in the 2012 draft. So they haven't spent draft capital upgrading the offensive line, and it is a genuine concern of mine. Now, that's why you bring in Mitch Trubisky in the sense that if you have essentially the same line that you had a year ago with a new center and then with uh, Daniels at uh, the right guard position, you know at least you have a guy who can move around and make the first guy miss, which is what you didn't have really the last three seasons with Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger could do it earlier in his career. He's a future Hall of Famer, no doubt. But the thing that really stuck out to me watching the preseason was, was like, wow, it's nice to have a guy in his 20s who can move around a little bit Extend plays, keep his eyes downfield. That's something Trubisky has struggled with—is going through his progressions. But that's the idea with the coaching he'll receive under head uh, offensive coordinator Matt Canada—is that you at least have a guy who's a little bit more nimble on his feet to make defenders miss if a play breaks down. Again, Roethlisberger could do it earlier in his career, but 18 seasons in the in the NFL, and I know that the league does its best protecting quarterbacks, but father time zone defeated. And that catches up with you after a certain point. And that's no knock on him or his career. It's just the reality of the situations given that he played 18 years in the league. Steelers knock on would have that. And they have that, whether it's Trubisky or, or Pickett. Now, Rudolph is a little bit more of a pocket passer. Can't quite move around as much, but that's an element of this offense to where if you're drinking the Steelers Kool-Aid and you're selling, you're saying, Mark, what's the upside in retaining Offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, because there are a lot of fans that wanted to see him go after a year, but it's like, wait a second. He took over for an offense led by Randy Fechner in 2020. Steelers decided not to renew his, his deal. And then now you can see what Canada wants to do with more motions, jet sweeps, moving the quarterback around, and you can actually run more of his offense versus tailoring an offense to what Roethlisberger could do in the back nine of his career.
2: I'm going to give you three statements about George Pickens, and you're going to tell me which one's the most accurate. Okay. George Pickens is scary good right now. His potential is scary good, or George Pickens is just scary. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say all of the above. I'll go with scary right now because
1: it's not just the highlight catch in, in one of the first preseason games. It's the toe tap in the corner of the end zone, and that's going to be on the highlight reels. But what I look at, the blocking ability and just being a downright bully and wanting to block and block for your teammates and open up things downfield—that's what it excites me. And if you go back to his Georgia footage uh, and, and when he was playing in Georgia Tech, and if you squint your eyes, it's almost as if huh, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets kind of look like Baltimore Ravens jerseys. Now, I don't want to see him get ejected from a football game like he was in that one, but that kind of attitude is contagious and that want to blocking. And I like to see that he can just physically dominate opposing cornerbacks. We've seen it in several preseason games now too. And I know he did that in one of the college football playoff games against Michigan as well. So the want to, to be able to block down the field, that attitude is infectious on this offense. And there's a reason He's like the odds-on favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I'm very excited to see what he can do. And if he can even do, I don't know, three-quarters to four-fifths of what Jamar Chase did for your Bengals a year ago, Steelers would be sitting pretty with a second-round draft pick. It looks like they've got a guy yet again. And this is kind of where I go to what my co-host, Ike Taylor, tells me because he was boots on the ground at Steelers training camp in Latrobe this year. And when he got back, one of the first things that he told me was like, yeah, George Pickens is the real deal. This guy, and and Ike's seen them all. He's played against Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Calvin Johnson, Andre Johnson, Reggie Wayne, Marvin Harrison, Steve Smith, all the great receivers, Not let alone the great Steelers receivers he would play in practice uh, when he was a player. And when he tells me that George Pickens is the real deal, Uh, I tend to believe what Ike's telling me. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. Picked him up on one of my fantasy football teams too. So we'll see what happens with George Pickens. I'm very bullish on him this season.
0: Did I, did I hear A.J. Green or Chad Johnson in there? I, I don't know if I heard them in, Throw them in there. Throw them okay. in there, too. Throw them in there, too. I'm sorry. That's all an right. oversight. In all honesty, <laughs> that's an
1: oversight on my end. But, I mean, the list goes on and on. The and
0: wide and receiver on. debate continues. It yes. just continues. Yes. Uh, talking with Mark Bergen of the Believe in Steelers podcast, part of the Believe podcast network. Always good talking with him. Uh, I, I You know, just quickly, uh, do you have an update on Najee Harris? Because that was kind of a weird deal that happened this summer between – you know, it, it, I guess Tomlin had told everybody that, hey, he got his foot stepped on. So we're just resting his foot. And then later on, Harris said, no, it's a Liz Frank injury. And when you hear Liz Frank injury and running back, that's always kind of a scary thing. It sounds like he's healthy now. So good, good for him. Good to go. But um, I mean, just kind of an odd situation. And I assume he is all healed up and all systems go. That's what we've heard as
1: well at Steelers camp. So I'd imagine that'd be the case. The bigger concern I have is can you really expect what you had a year ago when Najee leads the league in touches, doesn't get hurt at all, and the only fumble he had was in the playoff game that the Steelers had against the Chiefs? Can you expect that level of production yet again with such heavy usage and virtually zero fumbles for back-to-back seasons? And this is where undrafted rookie Jalen Warren comes into the picture. He's listed as the backup, undrafted out of Oklahoma state. He won the backup role over Benny Snell, Anthony McFarland, uh, a third or fourth round pick from a few years back out of Maryland. He's now on the practice squad. So Warren's going to get his shot to be the Robin Naji's Batman. Give him a blow, but five, seven, uh, 200 and some change Just short and stocky build low center of gravity. Again, I don't want Najee Harris leading the NFL in touches, because if you want to have success, November, December, January, when you're playing a season, you got to keep your bell cow fresh. I have no problem with Najee taking most of the snaps, most of the carries, but to get the amount of touches that he had, not just for this season, but long-term his durability with the the Steelers, it, it is a concern of mine. So the foot injury with Najee, yeah, going into the year, you don't want that injury to get re aggravated against uh, with an offensive line. That's still young and developing. And I think that's part of the reason why in the Steelers final preseason game, Tomlin took some flack for playing his starters in the entire first half of the game, but this offensive unit and specifically the offensive line needs all the time that it can get to gel and to develop that continuity together. So Najee you hear Liz Frank and it's like oh man but by all accounts he seems to be doing okay and I do think it was telling that the Steelers named him a captain one of five ahead of this season And again he's only in his second season so optimistic about Najee but really to me I just wish I could see what he could do against an offensive line that I do expect it to be better say come week 18 compared to the first few weeks of the
2: 2022 season. So we know about TJ Watt. We know about Cam Hayward. We know about Mika Fitzpatrick on defense. What has been one player that you feel has made a jump from the start of camp up until now?
1: I do like what I've seen from miles. Jack, I'm very excited about the free agent signing Mm -hmm. and it's like, wait a second. Maybe the Steelers just acquired the wrong Jaguars linebacker a year ago and they got Joe Schobert now. So they bring in Jack and his pairing on the interior with Devin Bush is going to be absolutely critical because Bush entering the final year of his rookie deal, the Steelers did not pick up his fifth year option. So he's in a contract season. And is he actually legit coming off a knee injury a few seasons back to where the Steelers would want to keep him around long-term, but with his market value, I wouldn't have picked up that fifth year option either. So I do think the Steelers made the right decision, but he's going to have every opportunity to succeed because they bring in Jack And because you bring in Brian Flores, who flourishes, his M.O. as a coach in his previous stops before coming to Pittsburgh is defense and specifically solidifying a team's front seven, Terrell Austin in his first year as the team's defensive coordinator. So I think Devin Bush is going to have every opportunity to succeed, especially considering Cam Hayward's healthy. Tyson Alua Lou is now healthy. Thank you for sending us Larry Ogunjobi. I'm very excited to see what he can do in his Steelers uniform. I say sending, but... The Steelers picked him up in free agency. So I would answer that question with the two linebackers on the interior because Steelers a year ago had this dichotomy where they lead the NFL and sacks, but they're dead last in the NFL and rushing yards allowed. I don't know if that's ever happened, not just in NFL history, but in the history of football, it's like, usually if you stink up front, you stink both ways, but it's this dichotomy the Steelers have had that just really doesn't make a ton of sense. So The two inside linebackers are who I have my eye on. And then one player we haven't seen a lot of the preseason due to injury, Alex Highsmith, who plays that uh, outside linebacker position opposite TJ Watt. So Highsmith lined over opposing teams, left tackles. Watt's going to garner a lot of attention coming off a year where he tied Michael Strahan's single-season sack record, led the NFL in tackles for a loss, and was the league's reigning NFL Defensive Player of the Year. If he commands the attention that he will, Someone else is going to be single team is going to have to win one-on-one matchups. Alex Highsmith's got to take advantage and this is where he's got to eat. So I want to see what he can do again. Didn't see a ton of him in preseason due to injury, but when he's out on the field week one, and so forth, I'm excited to see what he can do because someone else is going to have to take advantage considering the time and attention that Watt will take uh, on, on lined up over opposing teams, right tackles. That's where you see Watt line up.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, perfect. Well, talking with Mark Bergen of the Believe in Steelers podcast, enjoying talking with him and getting some good insight from him on the Pittsburgh Steelers as they get set to take on the Bengals at Paycor Stadium. I still have trouble saying saying that by the way soft spot for us with with Alex Highsmith because going into the draft we interviewed him on this show a long time ago when he was you know getting ready for the draft and all of that and I I left there going great guy I think he's going to be good in the NFL and guess where he's going to go he's either going to Baltimore or (laughs) Pittsburgh uh and I I just knew it when we interviewed him I just was like scheme fit that's where he's going to go but anyway um so a little bit of soft spot for that guy uh I hope he continues to do well but just maybe not so much against the Bengals. That being said, um, what is kind of, so look, you've got Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator of the Steelers. He was the defensive coordinator who was unceremoniously let go mid season by the Bengals in 2018. I I actually think Demonte, because he was a a good player and maybe a bit of a loss from a, a package standpoint of what the Steelers wanted to do in the defensive backfield. You're talking about, you know, some of the things with Highsmith and whatnot. I mean, what is the plan of attack, I guess, from, a secondary perspective for the bank uh, for the Steelers as they go up against Burrow in this wide receiver core. I mean, I, is it just, you know, let's, let's hope that pass rush holds up and the Bengals offensive line isn't that far improved and maybe we can kind of feast. Is it, uh, you know, pre- I mean, what, what what's kind of the mindset there going up against the Bengals wideouts this week? Anthony, you answered your own question. <laughs> <laughs> I, no, in, I, all I honesty, in all
1: honesty, in all honesty, because when I was looking at the depth chart that the Steelers released, earlier this week cam sutton akella witherspoon listed as the two starters and it's just like man pretty much what the ravens did all offseason was load up on defensive backs uh kyle fuller the former all pro for the bears uh hamilton the uh the safety out of notre dame i know they signed another safety and free agency so it's like you no know, they'll get humphrey and peters back healthy as well so it's like I always look at to see what the other teams are doing in the AFC North to kind of counteract what the best teams like, cause you're going to play each team in the division twice a year. So that's pretty much what the Ravens did. And that's like, it is a question mark I have about the Steelers defense is like, how do the corners hold up? How do they hold up against one of the NFL's best passing offenses in the Bengals? And what you got to do is do what Teams did last year with, with burrow is get after the quarterback. Now, again, I know that, that's pretty much what the Bengals did this offseason was upgrade the offensive line. But let me flip this back on both of you. Like, are either of you just even just like a little bit concerned where traditionally analysts think that the team that loses the Super Bowl has a hangover and they're not nearly the team they were the year before. But everyone seems to be really high on this Bengals team. And I know a lot of it is because of Burrow. We all think he's going to be the next guy. We all think that he's great. Like, does that make either of you nervous?
0: I've seen both uh, being a team, and I don't want to speak for John. I want to let him have his say too, but I, you know, I've seen both where there's some that are all on board with the Bengals and a lot of people are talking regression, regression, regression. My thing is this, normally, i I do worry about the hangover kind of situation from a team that loses the Super Bowl, but in a lot of cases, mark, i've I've that I can remember there are a lot of teams that either win or lose the Super Bowl, and the next year they get fleeced in free agency. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the Bengals roster, who they have under contract, the young players they have under contract with manageable deals at this point in time, really, you mentioned Ogunjobi. That's, that's kind of one of the major losses from the Bengals and CJ Uzama was, was the other. And when you look across the board, you're still seeing most of the same starters, role players, rotational players across the board. So from that perspective, the roster's intact And the guys that really hit the ground running last year in year two or their rookie year uh, are now starting to hit those prime years. So, um, you know, I mean, to me, I, I, I do worry from an, an emotional standpoint and God love the Bengals and God love Joe Burrow, but this has not been the most emotionally stable or or stable franchise in general uh, in terms of handling success. So I have that in the back of my mind, but um I mean, I, I do think if there is a team that's going to handle success pretty well, it will be a team headed by, you know, a pretty young, confident guy in Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow.
2: There's also the case that, and this is kind of going with with what Anthony said about teams getting purged at free agency. A lot of the teams that went to the Super Bowl and just completely fell off, I feel like those teams were kind of at the end of their window. And it's just like that, that was the best that they could do. And it just wasn't really meant to be after that. But the Bengals was kind of like the beginning of when they thought they were going to be competitive and they just kind of really overachieved and that's the biggest thing here because you said that teams that go to the Super Bowl and they don't win they don't end up being as good as next year well the Bengals weren't that great of a team entering the playoffs and then they just kind of popped off in the playoffs and just ended up winning three games to get to the Super Bowl so I think for me like the expectation is that you know they're they improve in in certain areas and they you know get in the remained in the conversation but going back to the super bowl in general is a very very tough task for any team regardless of the state that they're in so it's never been for me like oh they're definitely going back to the super bowl but i definitely expect them to improve just because they weren't that great to begin with last year
1: makes sense i'm with both of you guys in all honesty but it just seems to be at least seeing this from the outside i know you guys cover the team day in and day out but it just seems to me where everyone's bullish on the Bengals, and it's like, wait a second. And, and again, it's counter to the traditional logic of the Super Bowl loser. But I think you just go back to Burrow and company, and the fact that you still have Jamar Chase and Higgins on rookie deals as well. And it's just like that's that's kind of where you start from there.
0: That's that would be the 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 logic behind it. But I mean, like I said, we know that this team hasn't always, uh, handled success the best, but I, I think they're poised based on some of the the major figureheads they have in place to, to handle things and at least keep, keep them in AFC contention. If not Super Bowl contention, hopefully in the years ahead that, that being said, Mark, um, I guess we can kind of transition as we've gone, we've gone past what you said you would prefer in terms of okay. time with us, but uh, but I, we appreciate it as always, but, uh, I mean, expectations slash predictions for this game and really for the season for the Steelers, this is such a hard team for me personally to kind of get my my hands around because part of me is like, well, I mean, they're losing a Hall of Fame quarterback, but that Hall of Fame quarterback was a shell of himself last year. Mm -hmm. They've still got some good talent here and there, and it is – one of the flagship NFL franchises in the Steelers. They know how to do things. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, despite all the weird things. Hell, they made the playoffs last year and it's like, what, how do they do that? Um, so I, you know, I, I look at all these things and I go, I, I just, I'm trying to make sense of this team, both not only for this week, but next. My, my gut feeling is that, you know, I think the Bengals are getting them at a good time right now because there's a lot of transition and, feeling things out with, with the Steelers right now, but I mean, I'd love to get your take, not only on this week, your prediction for the game, but just kind of how you maybe see this season going for the Steelers, because it's such a, a, just a different look for them.
1: I've got the Bengals winning 31 Steelers, 23. So there's my score prediction. And they cover.
0: Okay. So they cover.
1: Yes. Yes. okay. I saw it at six and a half. So I've got the Bengals at home. I just think the offense, the Steelers are a young team, specifically offensively, too, and I just don't know about how they'll gel from a continuity standpoint. Expect the team to be a heck of a lot better later on in the season offensively than they are early on. And specifically, it's controlling the clock, the running game, as well. It's I know it's old school. I know it's not flashy with fantasy football and everything, but to expect Trubisky to have to make play after play after play after play I think is part of the reason he's starting to have that burden on a quarterback who has veteran experience versus someone who's a rookie, especially would be week one of of the opening season. Overall for the Steelers, though, the fact that they're over under win totals at seven and a half, I know the odds makers typically get it right, but Tomlin in year 16 doesn't have a losing season to this point. This is his 16th season. I've got the Steelers at 10 and seven, but what I'm saying is, hammer that over if you can get seven and a half wins. Cause it's like, if the Steelers could start the season three and three, look at the first six games on the schedule, the back half of the schedule gets heck of a lot easier. And so again, those first six games Steelers are underdogs in like four or five of them. If they could split those, you're sitting pretty headed into week seven when your schedule lightens up. So That's kind of how I foresee this season. Maybe I'm a little bit more bullish than most people about this Steelers team, but I look at the tradition, the nucleus, and the fact that Tomlin does not have a losing season. Until it happens, I'm going to rely on what history has shown us time and time and time again. I've got Pittsburgh at 10-7. and We'll see what happens. It all starts on Sunday against Cincinnati.
0: You know, it's funny because the the you know we go back to the Bengals' lack of sustaining success for a long time. It's it's because it's the Bengals, right? Well, when we talk about the Steelers being low, my mindset is, well, it's the Steelers. So beware if your expectations are low for the Steelers. At least for me, I've just seen a lot of football from them over the years, and I I kind of have seemingly sort of know what to expect, even with this team in transition. And by the way. When you when you have them going ten and seven, do you have them beating the Bengals the second time around in your schedule prediction there? I'd have I mean, to go back. Have you and, I'd have to then. go back
1: and look. I'd have to go back and look. But preseason, I believe I did, Anthony. But here's the thing okay. is when I we do our weekly picks each week. Yeah, to start the season, I'll say ten and seven. But you know, everyone's gonna re- overreact come Monday, the overreaction Monday from week one, cause like There's always a team too that gets absolutely smoked in week one and then actually winds up being a pretty good football team. I remember that happened with the Packers. Was it last season or the year before? It was
2: the Jags. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So the Saints. Yeah.
1: So we'll, we'll see. But I I believe I did have them splitting Anthony. But yeah, I mean, we've got to get one back because, like, look, the 31 point (laughs) loss a year ago and then losing 24 to 10 as well at home. It's like, listen we, we we need to we need to get at least one from the bengals a team that the steelers traditionally do beat but you know a team that the steelers are definitely fighting from behind i will say this i'm surprised the steelers were the odds makers have them finishing last in the division even behind cleveland it's like we're we're projected to finish last even behind cleveland like i i'll just put it this way we'll see what happens cuz the afc north is very competitive but i would be shocked if the steelers finished last in the division yeah. i i know that and i'm i'm very bullish about the ravens too because they were riddled with injuries a year ago i'm bullish about the Bengals again too but to say that the steelers would finish last i mean i i have to go back i don't even know when was the last time that that happened so there you go it's been a
0: while it's yeah. been a while well Mark Bergen, aside from his great work he does with WRAL and Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, doing a lot of different stuff for the station down there. He is one of the co-hosts alongside former Steelers defensive back Ike Taylor as uh, the dynamic duo behind the Believe in Steelers podcast. Tell us a little bit about your show, where we can find it, and where Bengals fans can get a peek over the other side of the fence there, (laughs) platform-wise.
1: on YouTube we stream each week and I'm excited because during the season we record twice a week as well so we'll have preview content ahead of each week post game shows as well we always love our Taylor Talk segment where Ike breaks down the film from one of the key critical plays from Sunday's game so check us out on YouTube that's believe in Steelers B L E A V and Steelers YouTube Facebook and then we're on audio platforms as well so wherever you get Listen to your podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, what have you. Uh, fellas, thank you so much for having me. And uh, Anthony, I'm gonna need to play that clip for my boss. That's very flattering uh, <laughs> with my work. I appreciate I do it. appreciate the do work. it.
0: Yep, do it. Grab the grab the screen video, screen record that video and do it. Uh, I'm I'm for it. You need to you need to get Praise for all the work that you that you do there and as well on the believe network give give ike our best and give cam our best as well cam's awesome to this show and as are you giving us so much time uh you've already given us a lot of time the last couple of episodes and it's been a lot of fun talking with you stay well and hopefully we can catch up with you you know a couple months down the road on the rematch too fellas thank you again for having me all right take care mark bergen what a guy He's always, always fun to talk to, knowledgeable, and um, just nice. I, I mean, god, he said uh, maybe 15 20 minutes, and then here we are 35 minutes later, but that's all right. Uh, good stuff, John. A lot to take in there,
2: yeah. i not not to offend him, but I don't think his advice about hammering the Steelers over seven and a half is gonna be taken real well with this with this crowd over here. But you know, he's got a point. I think the Steelers are just they're just never a team that really bottoms out, you know, and, and maybe that's. That's kind of putting it lightly like they could easily finish last in this division this year just because of the three other teams that are in it. But it just seems like they're never in a position to win three, four, five games and finish at the top. (laughs) Never the draft ever it like even still like Trubisky. He's not scaring most teams, but he's still an upgrade over what they had last year. And they managed to carry Ben Roethlisberger's corpse to the playoffs. So. It's all relative, and the Steelers are not a bad football team. Not not nearly as bad as a three and fourteen team that you know I'm seeing in the comments section. <laughs>